welcome to BYOB. I am Nola Nash. That over there. I'm Laura Kim. And this is. I'm Hank Philippi Ryan. It's so much fun to see you too. I know. I'm so excited. You are our first show of the year. We haven't done BYOB this year. So we saved January for you because we knew that you were having a book launch that is coming up and we wanted to make sure that we got a chance to talk to you ahead of that launch because, I mean, let's face it, we're not supposed to pick favorites. Don't tell anybody else, but you're one of our favorite guests. So we love having you so far, right? The so far, the favorite of the year. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no competition at all. It's just Mm-mm. hands down. It's you, Hank. <laughs> As the first oh. one. Yes. I mean, it's the thing. I mean, this is prime, prime position, right? The, the beginning of the year. So you have a book coming out and we want to talk to you about that. Laura and I have been talking about conferences that we've got, you know, that we're planning to go to or wishing we could go to. We've been doing that all afternoon, text messaging back and forth. And of we course, each other. <laughs> we really should. I'm, I'm in class. I probably shouldn't be texting. Yeah, probably shouldn't be, but you know, I, I work from home, so it works out. But that had us, of course, in mind of Killer Nashville, which was our last conversation mm-hmm. that we had with you. It was about Killer Nashville and all the fun that we had there. And that's when we decided we wanted to have you back for your book launch. And we want to talk with you about The House Guest, because that is coming yes. up, um, coming out, and it looks amazing. Well, so we're going to let you talk about that a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just happened to have, this is the arc that I don't even have the finished books yet. I think I'll get them soon. But mm-hmm. look at her. Look at that. She's glasses. You can see that it's a pool. Of, um, a pool. Mm-hmm. Two chairs. They're both empty. Mm-hmm. And now we have the house guest arriving. So I, I love just the look on her face too. Like, oh, but just the expression, it's, it's like almost a non-expression, but there is, there's a look there. Yes. <laughs> I love it. Wise and mysterious mm-hmm. and knowing and a little enigmatic. You're not quite sure if she's good or not good. Yes. That's what I was going for. I love it. She's got the mystery in her expression, but she's got the Audrey Hepburn shades and the hat and she's, you know, the red lipstick, like you expect this, you know, beautiful, elegant, you know, Audrey Hepburn kind of character, but that look in her, around her mouth, you're like, ooh, that little tilt of her head. Yeah. You, yep, there is more to her than meets the eye. That's so tell exactly, us a little bit about it. Well, I was going to say, that's exactly what you want in a cover, because you want people to be curious about what's inside. And, you mm-hmm. know, um, I call this book sort of Gaslight meets Thelma and Louise. Oh, perfect. Great and, yeah. And, and the reason is this, and I think, you you know, the, all of us can figure out what that might mean. Gaslight, somebody's doing something mm-hmm. to someone else, maybe to disturb them, to unsettle their equilibrium, to make them unhappy, to make them second guess themselves, to make them lose their confidence a little in order to make them vulnerable. Mm-hmm. And Thelma and Louise, you know, two friends on a mission to do something that may not be a good idea. <laughs> As two so, friends often do. <laughs> you do have any oh. no. So anyway, can do it. You add a little bit of yeah, your your finger. I can't do it. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> and add a little bit of strangers on a train to it, but it's not that right, and it's not Thelma and Louise, and it's not strangers on a train, but it's that same sort of. It. I think the themes might be betrayal, greed, mm. female friendship, 
and revenge. Perfect for cat and mouse. Perfect mm -hmm. for cat and mouse. Which character is the cat and which character is the mouse? And that is the key it. to the whole book. Who is the one that's after the other one? So it begins with Alyssa Maxwell. No, that's not her name. <laughs> uh, yes, it does it begin with Alyssa <laughs> Maxwell? <laughs> Alyssa McGowan is her name. Some, I got some author on the brain. Alyssa <laughs> McGowan is her name. Alyssa McGowan. You know, look, I just wrote a whole nother book since <laughs> and my brain is author fried. Totally. I do that all the time. No, me too. I'm forever screwing up last names of characters. And I'm like, I don't have that many characters. What's wrong with me? Or sometimes I'll be at a book event and someone will ask me about a book that I, you know, like two books ago or three books ago. And they'll say, why did you have the character do this? And I'm like, I did. I don't, I don't remember. That. I don't know. That's a long time ago. Anyway, time ago. in the house guest, we'll just make a little segue. In the house Alyssa McCallan, the main character, is sort of reeling and befuddled and confused and terrified because she's just been dumped by her husband. She thought they were happily married. Bill McCallan is you know, a powerful guy, an interesting guy, kind of a manipulative guy. But, you know, when power is on your side, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. So she's dumped. She doesn't know why by her husband of eight years. He's terrified because in a divorce, one person always gets the friends, don't they? Mm -hmm. And what mm -hmm. does this one get? And I say, if they're lucky, they get the benefits. So Bill has left Alyssa with no friends, potentially no money, potentially no house, and potentially no future. And just when Alyssa needs a friend, she gets one. A seductive new friend named Bree Lawrence, who seems to have some problems of her own. And the two of them decide that maybe they can solve each other's problems. And when the FBI shows up at Alyssa's door, then things begin to happen. So again, it is, it's a psychological high stakes cat and mouse game between two smart women. But which woman is the cat and which woman is the mouse? And that is, I'm gonna show you one more time. That is the house guest. So who is this? Is this Alyssa or is this Brie? And you won't mm. read it. I like that. There are two strong female characters. I like that. Is that is that typical? Do you think in in fiction to have a two two strong equally? Well, you know, I love that because I think that one of my goals, one of my goals in the house guest, is to talk about empowerment, women's mm -hmm. empowerment. And sometimes when I mean, it's all happened to all of us, whether it's heartbreak or some other kind of change in our life where we feel mm -hmm. the rug's been pulled out from under mm -hmm. us. And how do we come back? How do we get our power back? How do we regain that power? Especially if someone's taken it from us. Yes. And at the beginning, we tend to feel, oh, I'm so sad. My life is over. I'll never be happy again. It depended on that other person. And that, that growth of coming from a place of vulnerability into coming back to a place mm -hmm. of 
confidence and power. That's a good story. And, and how does that happen? So when two strong women each need that to happen for very different reasons, that's what the house guest is about. So Laura, I don't know, is that, I, mean, I, I, I don't like to read about women that are wimpy and naive and don't have a mind of their own because you think, you know, get a life sister, take control. <laughs> And so I, I wanted to have these two women who, in their very different ways, are learning how to become the best person they can be. Okay. So there's stories. Having two of them. Each other. Yeah. And having two of them kind of walking that journey parallel. I mean, usually you see the one that's that's going through all of that. They may have a strong friend, a relative, you know, somebody who's helping them. There's always that friend. That's but to actually have the two of them kind of as your main characters kind of walking that journey i mean yes it's it starts but, off with the one it's her thing but then you got yes, two of them. Exactly, exactly but but when you talk about gaslighting and we think oh it's the husband gaslighting the wife but is it really so what what does brie want and and what does Alyssa want and are those um the same thing do they do they have the same goal or do they have different goals and what are they be saying to each other? Ooh, or is the reader being gaslighted? <laughs> oh. I think that's a great thing about a cat and mouse. You do kind yeah. of feel like you're not privy to all of the information. You're, you're being manipulated by the characters because you are continually guessing. And I guess that's typical of all mysteries, especially the good ones that, that don't give the reader all the clues as they go along. You know, there's well, some... I think that's such a genius thing for you to say. Because this book, The House Guest, um, the main, the, the only point of view, it's in one point of view, we are only in Alyssa's mind. So we all, we're privy to absolutely everything that she knows or wants or thinks, or absolutely everything we know. It's fair because we're only in Alyssa's head. We are not in Brie Lawrence's head. We are not in, in Alyssa's husband, Bill McAllen's head. We are not in the newcomer, Des McKittrick's head. We don't, name. we don't know. Yeah, that's great. So what are they thinking and um, what are their motivations? And we don't know that because we can't, because we're Alyssa and we don't know. So we are figuring it out along with Alyssa. Exactly. So as the reader is reading this, if those characters are gaslighting our main character, they're gaslighting us as a reader too. And that's, you know, or we are being yeah. manipulative ones. I mean, I, that's one of the reasons why I love Edgar Allan Poe so much and you know, me and my dark stuff that I write to, but Poe always did that with his narrator. It was always that first person unnamed narrator so that you were the lunatic, <laughs> you, know, you were the one teetering on the edge. And like, you know, it was very easy to put yourself in that. And so when you have a character like this one, where we're kind of watching all of this happen around her at the same time, if we're kind of taking her on as a reader, you tend to take on that main character as yourself. That's why we fall in love with book boyfriends and things like that. So if we're taking her on, are we taking on the one who's actually gaslighting us? You know, it, it's what an interesting way to, yeah, it's very twisty and it, it's twisting up your readers' minds as much as the characters. And I love it. I hope so. I, hope so. I mean, the Library Journal starred review called it binge worthy. And publishers Ooh. said Ryan is a master of suspense. Well, and yes, you are. I know. It's <laughs> what I'm really going for because this is a murder mystery. It is a financial thriller, big money, big danger, big suspense, page turning, but it's about power. This is a book about power. And that 
with two powerful women is really, really going to be a treat for the readers. I, I can't wait to get my hands on it. I think it's going to be a great one. I mean, and, you know, Laura and I, I mean, we don't get into our personal lives a whole lot on social media or anywhere else, but, you know, these are, these are moments that we've had as well. I mean, so many women can identify with that moment of kind of teetering on the edge of finding your power again. Mm -hmm. And who do you trust? You know, do you trust only yourself? And or I do you think trust other people? So wise. I think that's so wise because at that moment, and when, when we meet Alyssa McCallan at the beginning of the book, she is rock bottom um, and feels so vulnerable and so needy. Like, I mean, she looks at her, at, at her Outlook calendar on her phone and it says, you have no events. You have no events. Mm -hmm. About that, how that, you know, she looks at, at all of the things she went to in the past, galas and balls and auctions and dinner parties and all kinds of um, super big time, wonderful things. And she calls them the ghosts of her events. She can see what there, what there was in the past sort of taunting her, but there's nothing in her future. And, and what is she going to do about that? But then and she's very well off, you know, she's, she and Bill have this affluent country club, fancy, glossy, flossy lifestyle. When she meets Brie, who isn't like that, is from another culture altogether. Brie Lawrence come, is a teller in a bank. And she begins, to, Alyssa begins to think, you know, I'm complaining um, about losing all this stuff. When Brie never had anything to begin with, why am I complaining? That's terrible. I'm going to, you know, I'm not the only person in the world. I'm being self-centered. This is like page one. Hmm. I'm going to help Brie. You know, it'll, it's better for me to help someone else than to whine about my own situation. And that's how the book starts. That's I guess I wonder helpful. sometimes with all these twists and turns that you take, Hank, I don't know if we've ever talked about it. Are you a plotter or are you a panster? Have we talked about this before? I don't, I don't, think, do I don't think we have. And I am the yeah. biggest pantser you've ever met. Oh. No idea. Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Really? And I, I mean, I type chapter one and I'm like, okay, here we go. Let's see. And I have no I idea. I love No it. idea. And, you know, but you understand you both. Yeah, I'm a pantser. What a tightrope that is. Mm -hmm. Because... You, you know what a book is. You know that it has to have a beginning, middle, and an end, and everything at the end has to tie up gorgeously. And yeah. It has to be surprising, but it has Stick to be inevitable. Landing, right? Yes, Your review from James Patterson. Said Stick the landing. <laughs> and, I, and that's why I wanted to ask that question. How do you stick your landing? Stick the landing. Panster. Every time I write a book, and the house guest is my 14th, every time I write a book, I think, I'm never going to be able to do this. This is never... <laughs> ever going to work. I think, whose idea was this? This is ridiculous. I've, you know, I'm typing away and it's all very interesting and it's all very cool. But you know, at some point, like seven eighths of the way through the book, you're gonna have to just start to land. Yes. And you can't and you can't avoid it because the book's mm -hmm. gonna end, you know, right here. Mm -hmm. Um and I in answer to your question, Laura, I don't know. I I just don't know. I, and I, there are days to be serious about it. I mean, I am serious about that, but there are days that I sit here at this very desk, this very computer, and I think, golly, um, I, I really don't know how this ends. I, I, I really don't know. And I, 
I have this thought of trust or faith in the process or some sort of, there's a wonderful quote from Thomas Edison that was something like, if you think, if you, if you think you've thought of everything, remember this, you haven't. And so good advice. Right? <laughs> yeah. Because it's not that you there, it's not that there is no answer. It's that you haven't thought of it yet. Mm -hmm. And I feel like the process almost in itself brings it out. You can't sit there and think about it. You actually have to actively, you know, and engage yourself in the craft. And then the process reveals itself, like leap in the net. It's weird, isn't it? Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. I couldn't agree with you more infinitely. I was reading a, and I and I love that you feel that way because it makes me feel like that I'm not really crazy. I know. <laughs> I never know how my books are going to end. Oh, and so <laughs> they surprise the, me all the time. <laughs> yeah, they surprise me all the time. Yeah. Yes, and so why the idea that we would do it yet again? Let's say. <laughs> Scare myself. Put ourselves through this. Yeah. <laughs> I know this is silly, but I'm taking advice, writing advice from a fictional character. Um, in Ellie Griffith's book, The Stranger Diaries, which I highly recommend, Ellie Griffiths is great and The Stranger Diaries is great. Sort of gothic boarding school kind of, mm -hmm. you'd love it, you all. Yeah, and yes. The main character in The Stranger Diaries is an English professor. And she says to her students, the muse only comes when you're working. Yes, exactly. Great advice. It's exactly what it is. So true. The process that brings about the, mm -hmm. yeah. I think it really truly is as you, and this, maybe not all writers do this, but I feel like so many of us do. We, we become, it's almost like an audience watching a movie. Mm. You know, and so you, you're sitting there, you know, you, mm -hmm. you are not doing all of those things that are on the screen but you are so actively involved that you are physically responding. You know, your body is, your heart rate is beating faster. You're, you're yeah. laughing with them. You're doing all of these things. So even though you're in the audience watching what someone else has created and put up there, you are physically responding to that. And your brain is engaged trying to you know, get to the ending before they do, you know, things like that. And I feel like as writers, we're doing very much the same thing. We get so invested into our books and our stories. Once we are truly sitting there working that oftentimes in some of those best endings that come to us that we don't know, you know, going in what the ending is going to be. It's almost, I always say, it feels like it has come through me, not to me. hundred percent. Yep. Do you do this to you? I mean, like sometimes I'll be typing one character and I'll be like, and she's, you know, she's very poised and very elegant. When my posture changes, if I'm a bad guy, I'm going to type like that. And sometimes I'll think, what am they going to do? And then I'll write, I'll type, she touches her chin. You know, like, I, go, like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought like, that was just us in our theater background. Uh, it's good to know that other people are acting out their books. But, and the other thing about the movie, the other thing about the, the movie in your mind of the story is that sometimes when I don't know what's going to happen next with his, which is always, I really do close my eyes, which is risky sometimes because I don't get enough sleep. Close my eyes and just envision it. You know, what does she do? What does he do? What do they say? Oh, the window's open. Oh, it's cold outside. Oh, it's not. It's dark. You know, the street lights are going to be on. Now I can't see my car. Oh, because when you envision the whole thing, yes. it makes it real. And then you can write about reality. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. such a key thing, too, for your readers as well. 
I don't like books and maybe it's just a personal preference of mine. I'm all, and I teach my students the same thing. I, I don't think you need pages of description. If your characters are moving through a scene, tell me what I need to know as they're moving through that scene, as this is happening. If you have to stand back and give me two pages to describe the farm that they're on, that they're eventually going to go find the dead body in the barn. I don't need to know everything about this farm. I don't need to know that over there are four fields of corn and one of soybeans. Please just tell me what's happening as they go to the barn. Yes, you, know, you know, and that's what I need to see and feel that though. The movement yeah. of the scene. It's like a yeah. screenplay. Mm -hmm. yeah. All of those things are important. Those, when you narrow that focus to what the characters are actually doing, that's when you can feel it with the characters mm -hmm. as opposed yeah. to the sweeping broad mm -hmm. view. Specific, the reader is there. Right. Yeah. When, when it's broad, I always say to my students in, in writing classes, who's telling me this? Why, why am I hearing about the, mm -hmm. the population of Kansas City or something? Why, why exactly. does that matter? Why does that matter? Who and who is telling me this? If you're in the point of view of a character, is all this interesting to you all out there? If you're in the point of view of a character, yeah. who's telling me that? That that should come that should flow up through the novel if you need it mm -hmm. from some place that's relevant. Not because I feel like it becomes a speed bump, especially yeah. in a book like what you write. You write such fast-paced, page-turning things that are just so quick. And I know Laura and I, you know, we tend to write very quick books too. I mean, where you know, things are happening right at time. Yeah, things are always if moving. You have to stop and really go out to that kind of that drones view mm -hmm. of what is going on with the characters. That's slowing that down so much. And the readers, they don't care about all that stuff. And in a mystery and a lot of, I mean, we write mysteries to a certain degree, but you're definitely queen of mysteries down here. But, you know, you, you start to wonder, do I need that information? Is this part of what I'm going to need to solve this? And if it's not, what have you done with that, those, you know, those pages? Yes, in that you know, the, the thing that I ask myself in that situation is what work is this doing? Mm -hmm. What work is this doing for my book mm -hmm. and how is it advancing the story? Yes. And if it isn't, Always. you know, if it's not that forward motion, if it's not yeah. that sort of thrust, I'm not putting, I don't need that in my book. You know, people talk about, oh, you have to kill your darlings. I'm like, those yep. aren't my darlings. No. You know, those <laughs> are on the basic adios, you know, goodbye <laughs> and thank you. you know, That's a way to look at that because I always felt bad about killing my darlings, but they really aren't, are they? Mm -hmm. If they're slowing the story down. Oh, they're not your darlings. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I get attached to the I, I get a darling. Every time you take those out, yes. every time I think, oh, I liked that mm -hmm. part. And when I take it out, it's so much better without yeah, it. It is, isn't you it? Know, the book didn't want that. Oh, yeah. Right. Right. One of my, I was writing, it was the sequel to Crescent City Moon. It was Crescent City Sin. And I was writing and writing and writing. And I was like making all this progress. And I just stopped and I went, what am I doing? What is happening here? Can't I just jump? I'm an author. I can jump. I can do a scene break and he can be where I need him to be. I do not have to have this whole getting there part. I scrapped 7,000 words, just Woo! deleted it. And there was something frightening and yet really freeing in that to realize I'm the author. I insert a scene break. I put a chapter break there because my reader doesn't need to know all of this. They need to know what happens when he gets there because nothing about this journey is actually contributing anything. It's not contributing anything to the plot or the pace. Yeah. So yeah. it got to go. And it's and powerful. It, it, You're the powerful. powerful. <laughs> like cleaning out your closet. Mm -hmm. You know, that's too hard. That's too hard. <laughs> but you know what else it shows, Nola? It shows that you know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. 
you know, that you have hard to do though. Skill, I know that you have a skill as an author and you recognize you are strong enough and, and wise enough to recognize this isn't working and then confident enough to say 7,000 words, you got to go. Gotta go. Kill those darlings. Kill yeah. those darlings. And, uh, I have to tell you that Deborah Crombie, you know Deborah Crombie, um, does that all the time. She'll say, you know, I turn left on Elm Street and then right on Maple Street and then waited at the red light at, you know, Jones Street. And her editor says, Debs, you're GPSing again. Take out, <laughs> take out all the GPSing. I love GPSing. That. Perfect. I'll remember. And all these writing tips. tips. Yep. Don't, don't GPS. Yeah. Yeah. And I was bored. And that, that ultimately is what happened. I was bored as I was writing it. And I said, if I am getting bored writing oh, this, yeah. my reader has been bored pages ago. There are times <laughs> you get bored when you're writing, don't you sometimes? Yeah. I mean, like, it's like, it just doesn't get any traction. No, going this anywhere. is boring me. You just it is boring yeah. them. It's interesting because sometimes in editing, I'll I'll be going over my I'll be going over the pages and I'll get to a page and I'll and I'll think, oh well, this is this is fine. I've I've read that a million times. This is fine. And then I think, yeah. ah, that's when you got to go back. And ha a lot of the time, those things that I think, oh, that works. I, I've seen that a million times. I'll skip it now. I think, uh, and then I that goes. It goes. Mm. Just sliding over it. So why don't I feel compelled? So if you slide to over it when you're editing. That's a, a flag for you to maybe even cut it. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's one of those things that when your readers are reading, if they can jump paragraphs and yeah. not miss anything, they start skipping. Yeah. Do those paragraphs need to be there, or how can we tighten that up? Yeah. And that's something that I, I teach my my students all the time is. You know, if I can go from this paragraph down four paragraphs and I've not missed anything, why do I have those paragraphs? And most of the time it's because you told me it needed to be the, you know, so many pages long or this many words. And I said, not those words. I want that many of the right words. <laughs> like, no, not just words. I wonder, if, I wonder if all your listeners are thinking about this, all the books that they read. <laughs> they, they can read really fast because you're skipping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a phrase for that, for that, and, and I, I don't know where I heard it. I'm sure I did not invent it. I call it verbal vomit. Verbal vomit. <laughs> I do not want, and I tell my students all the time, do not verbal vomit on your page. Well, I do not want to read that. So attractive. <laughs> I worked with eighth graders. Oh, it stuck yeah. in their heads. And so oh, they were like, oh, yeah. it had to be a little gross for that. But And that was, that was my thing. It was, what was the thing know, in the Charlie Brown musical? Where she's, they're trying to write a book report, and they say the song is like, they need it to be a hundred words. So they say this is a very, 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 very good book. Yeah, very, 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 very. It's words. They're not the right words. They're not good words. How many middle schoolers actually use that? Yeah, as their Oh, yes. Well, let's, these have been some, I have enjoyed know, talking writer's craft and to know that Hank Phillippe Ryan, award-winning author of 14 books now, does not always know how a book is going to end. I love that. Never I feel so validated. Yes, we got some great validation today. Yes, There's so much validation. Well, we're going to talk about what we're reading here for just a second. So we have our, every now and then we'll do our what you're reading segment. So we're going to talk a little bit about what we're reading, and it's always good to know what our guests are reading, too. So, uh -oh. Hank, what are you Can reading? Can we put you on the spot? Well I, was, well, I know I wasn't ready for this, but just because my book is my book is surrounded by desks, my desk is surrounded by books, I just happen to have some of the ones that I'm reading right now, which oh, is good. good. 
Liv Constantine's The Center. Love her Ooh. stuff. Liv is great. Looks Ooh. like my screen behind us. No, it's like a mirror, oh, isn't nice. it? That's oh, fun. that's cool. So this is, I can't wait to start this. Also, this just arrived. Um, Brendan Slocum's Symphony of Secrets. You can see this isn't the, the final cover at all, but he no. wrote The Violin Conspiracy about a stolen Stradivarius. If you don't know Brendan Slocum, he's quite astonishing. Just beautiful writing and wonderful stories. This is his second book, Symphony of Secrets. And it says on the back, a gripping page turner about how America's most famous composer hid a shocking secret and how his descendants will stop at nothing to make sure the truth stays hidden. So oh. one of the pieces of music that we all know was really written by someone else. Oh, I like that. Secrets and Liv Constantine. Those are the ones that just happen to be right here. Well, great choices. Uh, Laura, what are you reading? I'm reading Colleen Hoover. Colleen Hoover. <laughs> I've been hearing about her from my middle school stu students forever. And my daughter got me this for Christmas. Oh, so I started reading reminders of him. And you know, the chapters are kind of short. So I always oh, read them okay. before I go to bed. And I feel like I'm accomplishing something <laughs> because I finish a chapter. I don't like to go to bed and shut my book unless I finished a chapter. I'm like that. I'm that way. So I just, yeah. And so far I'm really, really enjoying it. So it's fast paced and yeah. So I am on the Colleen Hoover uh, bandwagon right now and enjoying reminders of him. So, awesome. I am actually reading, I'm working on, on edits. I'm actually, I'm reworking an ending on a sequel. So Traveler came out in March. I'm working, I'd written Watcher, which is the sequel, but there is a third book. There's Oracle that's still to come. And the way that I ended Watcher made me unhappy because of what I want to do in Oracle. And so since Watcher's not out yet, it's not actually you know gone to the publisher yet, I have the freedom to do what I want to do with that ending. And wow. so I am in the midst of, and you want to talk about planning and pantsing, She's landing the plane right now. I'm an idiot. Land of that airplane. I'm the goofball. Because of everything that I write, especially with the Traveler series, is time travel. Multiple people time traveling throughout major events in history. And so I actually, I'm not really a planner, but you look history like a has, I look like it. But notice all of my notes are on, on post-it notes, right? So nothing is concrete. I can move things around. And so that's, that's my, it's got to be fluid. Such a genius. It's all of my books are actually done in scrapbooks because, you know, I can have a million tabs up and a million bookmarks on my screen, but if I can put it in that book and flip to that page that I need, just the, the picture of that historic monument or you know, something that I'm doing. Wow. So I'm reworking the ending of Watcher, but in order to do that, I'm actually backing into some of the things that happened in Traveler and happened earlier in Watcher so that then, I'm laying groundwork for what I need to do in Oracle. So I'm, I'm dismantling and reconstructing whatever I thought I had landed. Um, apparently that runway was full of potholes. And so now I've got to go pay it out. <laughs> Chains up have a stop between, yes. you know, not a direct, not a direct, exactly. not a direct not flight. Sure, but as a, as a pantser, as a pantser, we're first showing off notebooks as a pantser. One thing that I, that I'm sure you know, is that you write things and then you think, Wonder what that's for. Wonder who that was <laughs> on the phone. Huh. <laughs> Who's at the door? So I have, I keep track in this handy, in my handy, ugly notebook um, of, uh, I have my fix 
pages. Oh, yeah. And then there's this whole list of pages and pages of things that I have to go back as I'm landing and check them off. Like, okay, I fixed up that. I fixed that. I ended that. Twisted the So you don't lose momentum with your writing when you're writing. Yeah, I need to do more of that because I'll stop and fix it right at the time. And then I lose momentum. Well, you can't, you can't, you know, you don't, sometimes you don't know it till later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, and then you have to go back. Yeah. My mother is brilliant at finding those things. I tell people all the time, my mother is my greatest champion and my toughest critic. I mean, she tells me all the time, I cannot write anything. I can edit the hell out of anything you That's give me. And I'm like, thanks, mom. She's ruthless <laughs> when it comes to stuff like that. And she will find those nitpicky things. Like, you know, why Why did that happen? What was the point of that? You know, she's so great. I get, you know, print out a manuscript and it comes back with all kinds of other sticky notes. You know, not not as charming as the ones that I have telling me what I'm supposed to be writing. You're telling me what to ask. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> Good stuff funny. because I wasn't going to do it, but she finds all of that stuff, and it's great to have that. And then the more people you can have make those passes there, you know, through there, that with yeah, sure. a level of ruthlessness. And that's one thing when we send things out to beta readers and things like that. Sometimes all you get back is the praise, and you're like, I know there are things in there that aren't that need to be fixed. Mm-hmm. Please tell me what they are before someone else further down the line, and I can't fix it, finds it. So I, I love those ruthless people. They're Choose great. your beta readers wisely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh, true. Always. Well, Hank, I, I told you we ramble. <laughs> we said we were going to do 20 minutes. We did not. <laughs> but this has been such a, I feel like we've had kind of a master class with Hank and yes. Ryan. And it has been truly, you know, such a learning experience for us and so validating for us as authors. And I hope that for readers, they've gotten a glimpse behind the curtain. Mm-hmm. of what an award-winning author does as they're, you know, writing things, as they're you know, thinking through those things, making those drastic edits to get these books that are binge-worthy, Aww. that are these fast-paced the page turners that stick the landing. I mean, <laughs> thank you so much for coming on and talking to yeah. us about The House Guest. We wish you so much success. I can't wait to read it. Um, I'm going to get it on pre order. Because yeah. I want to make sure that it lands cart right now for pre-orders yes. in my cart, because this is one not to be missed. Two powerful women, cat and mouse, who is gaslighting who doesn't get any better than that. And it's a Hank Phillippe Ryan book. So, you know, it's good. <laughs> it's just a good. I'm going to put that on the cover. I love that. It's a Hank Phillippe Ryan book. You know, it's good. <laughs> like That's it. That's all you got to say. Thank you, Laura. Thank you, Nola. You two are completely fabulous. I'm so honored to be here. Thank you. Oh, thank you for being you. Thank you so much. It is indeed an honor and a pleasure to talk to you. And we will see you soon. This has been BYOB, a copywritten podcast of Authors on the Air, Global Radio Network.